Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Well, Richard, some may have uh, wondered if we would ever get to the end of this mini-series. <laughs> Just uh, faith, believing in things not yet seen. <laughs> yes, but today is the day we have finally gotten to... Cue the angels singing in the background. <laughs> or the tears. You know, some people may not have wanted it to end. We, you know, it's, it's hard to know. There'll but... be other great series uh, yeah. looming before us after I, this. I, so. I'm sure there's just a, a whole... Uh, uh, a lake has been built up behind the dam of uh, that's your right. knowledge and, and wisdom that's just <laughs> waiting to break uh, any minute now. Uh, but we're, we're finally uh, at Reality 7 of Experiencing God. And if you've uh, been listening to the podcast, we've been steadily going through each reality of Experiencing mm-hmm. God based on the book that you and your dad did. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a Bible study. It's also a trade book. And uh, we've just been breaking down what each reality of experiencing God has been. And we're now to the seventh and final reality. So lay it on us. All right. Reality number seven, you come to know God by experience as you obey him and he accomplishes his work through you. And so this whole thing's been about experience, mm-hmm. experiencing God. Yeah. So, so I guess the first question would be, why do some people seem to know God better than others. They may go to the same church, mm-hmm. they may attend the same functions, meetings, but I think we can all point to people in our life that we say, this person obviously walks closely with God, mm-hmm. more closely with God than, than others. Yeah. So, so, And that's a great phenomenon. You know, if you've been in church very long, you'll know those people. They, they may have not even been a Christian nearly as long as you have, but uh, when you hear them pray, uh, when you see, hear the way God's using them, when you hear the kind of miracles stories that they're experiencing, you look at that and say, why is it that they just seem to go places with God I've never been? And they seem to know God better. And I, I think that's a great question. It's something that's always fascinated me. I've, uh, because I've been around some great men and women of God, I've seen what it looks like for people mm-hmm. to go very far with God. And then uh, I see other people that they're intelligent people, sincere people. They regularly attend church, but for some reason, it just seems like they never get out of the shallow end in their walk with God. There's a a book, one of my favorite books, actually, that I wrote several years ago called Unlimiting God. And uh, I tell a story in there. It's just a, it's a fable, but it it illustrates this for me, I think, quite well. Knowing God or experiencing him, I I describe as like this, this incredible mountain. And you're with a group of people and you're all at the foot of the mountain and you're looking up at this massive mountain that rises up into the clouds. It's beautiful, uh, majestic. And all of you think to each other or to say to each other, wouldn't it be incredible to experience this mountain? I wonder what it looks like looking back over the horizon from the top of that mountain. And just look at those uh, creeks running down the fresh water, the waterfalls, Let's 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 experience this mountain together. And so, on the first day, uh, the whole group begins uh, walking along the trail at the bottom of the mountain, and it's a beautiful day. And there's wildflowers, and there's uh, creeks going by. You stop for some fresh water, and it's uh, uh, people are joking and laughing, and it's a wonderful adventure. You stop for lunch, and uh, 
and it's a, a picnic time and, and it's great. The, the, the past, not too steep and, uh, uh, it's scenic, uh, beautiful walk, but, uh, by the afternoon, the, uh, grade is getting a bit higher. It's, it, you're starting to sweat a little bit, but, uh, the end of the day comes and you, you set up camp and people are laughing and, uh, fellowshipping and reviewing the walk and, uh, um, but some people have got some blisters and some sore feet. And uh, the next day when it's time to put on your hiking boots and keep going, there's a few people that announce that they're going to just stay there for a day or so, rest their feet. And uh, they've made some good friends and uh, they're not in a hurry to keep going. And so the rest of you get set to go and, and you begin the climb. And you do that day after day. And day after day, the hike gets uh, steeper and steeper. The trail gets uh, less uh, defined. Uh, it's harder work. The sun seems to beat down even more fiercely. And day by day, there's more attrition. Uh, more and more people decide that's as far as they want to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just getting too hard. Uh, there's a lot of distractions. There's some fighting going on among some of the hikers, and they don't want to hike together anymore, and feelings are hurt. And and so every day, as you strap on your boots to make another day's climb, uh, there's fewer and fewer people joining you on that trail. And after a while, you look around, and there's just a handful of you still going. And, and now and then you'll see uh, the remains of uh, hikers, the garbage they've, uh, or campsites uh, that obviously have been there a long time. And you, you, you realize there have been others who've gone before you, who've gone higher than you, farther than you. And you, and you can only wonder... Uh, boy, I wonder what they saw. I wonder, did they make it to the top? Yeah. Uh, and there are times you'll turn a corner and you'll look out from the height from which you've climbed and it's breathtaking. You'll see these waterfalls and you think to yourself, I, you know, I wonder, there's probably only a handful of people have maybe ever seen this beautiful spot. And I'm one of them. And you think to yourself, oh, that friend that I walked with for several days along the trail that uh, dropped out a while ago, he would love this. I, I, I wish he was here to see this. And yeah. you think to yourself, but you know, I'm not sure that he'll ever get this far. I don't know he'll ever make it this high. I, I wish he could see it because this is what he longed for. And he used to talk about this, but I, but he, he gave up. He quit climbing. And I don't know if he's ever going to make it to this far down the path. And, uh, and, and that imagery for me is sort of an imagery of experiencing God. Uh, God is kind of like that awesome mountain, and we all begin as Christians at the bottom, and we all have the same invitation. How, how much of me would you like to experience? How much of me would you like to know? Uh, God makes that offer to every person, hmm. and then the invitation is, how far do you want to climb? How much do you want to know? And what I find is that a lot of folks, they get satisfied. At a certain point, they say, I, I think this is enough. I've, uh, I'm very comfortable at this level of my knowledge and experience of God, and I think that uh, that's, that's all I need to know of Him. And, and they stop, and though they may continue going to church for years afterward, they essentially don't know or experience any more of God than what they already know. And it's a shame when you realize that uh, you may still just be a day or so up this majestic mount. There's so much more that you've not yet experienced, but you've become satisfied. Mm. And so for me, I've always thought about, Lord, don't let me ever become satisfied where I am if you still have more for me to experience down the road. Yeah. And this, the whole issue, the whole goal of, of experiencing God has, 
um, has been about experiencing God. And yeah. So, so why is Crazy, why is that it? the <laughs> why is that the thing that has been really well, the, the key to all this? You know, because there's a lot of Christians who view uh, God as a doctrine, as someone that you believe in, uh, or it's a belief system. I mm-hmm. believe in the Holy Trinity. I believe uh, God the Father or, or God the Son. God the Spirit. Uh, we see him as a concept. Sometimes we see God as, a, as kind of like a worldview. Uh, in Star Wars, we typically, we'd see him as the force. Uh, mm, yeah. This sort of nameless, there's power, there's something there, but it's not a personality. You don't, uh, you know, in Star Wars, you don't see them praying and, and enjoying fellowship with the force uh, or getting to know that you don't, they don't feel loved by the force. Uh, yeah. You you don't want to spend time. There's no joy in the presence of the force. It's it's utilitarian. It's uh, this nameless kind of power that you can tap into for things. But it's not. There's not a personality to it. There's no. Yeah. There, there's no fellowship. Uh, the, it's not personal. It's not loving. And uh, and I, for a lot of people, that's really what the Christian God has been. It's uh, you go, you, you pay your dues, you go to church on Sunday, you sing songs, you endure listening to a sermon, you put in your money in the offering plate, you, you sort of do what you're expected to do, uh, but it's not personal. It's not, it's not loving. You, you, you wouldn't really say you loved God. I mean, you, you know you're supposed to, but the fact is you, you can't love a concept. It's hard to love a doctrine. You yeah. love you love people, and there's a lot of Christians who've never come to know God as a person. They've come to know Him as a belief, mm. and uh, and so you can always tell when someone has gotten to know God as a person because then you can love Him with all your heart. Loving a doctrinal system is uh, something for you know it's hard for people to do. Yeah, that's hard to to get your head around. Well, let's let's take a quick break here, and then uh, when we come back, we will uh, conclude. This uh, mini-series on experiencing God and the seven realities. Bob Royal and Richard Blackaby recently wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership Coaching. It integrates the life-changing biblical insights from experiencing God with training in 12 essential coaching skills that will enhance your ability to have transformational conversations. Use the promo code PODCAST at checkout to receive an additional 10% off the book at blackabystore.org. Richard, the uh, final question on this Experiencing God mini-series, The Seven Realities. And again, we'll, we'll, I will just open it up that if uh, if you're listening to this and we've already done, we've already finished this mini-series, then uh, feel free to continue to ask questions if they pertain to Experiencing God. Like yeah. We're never not going to answer questions just because we've finished. Right, we'll circle uh, back around. Yeah, we can, we can always come back and, and dive a little deeper into... To different elements of, of of these realities, so so my last question would be, um, why is obedience the key to experiencing God? Well, there's a wonderful verse in Ephesians two verse ten where uh, Paul says, "You are God's workmanship, created for good works, which He prepared beforehand." And what what I think Paul is saying is is uh, that um, God has wired you for an assignment. God has a purpose for your life. God has put things in your life that he knows you're going to need to accomplish uh, the assignment that he has for you. And so the question now is, are you prepared to let God use your life the way that he has always intended? 
Um, and the, the, the difference is that God doesn't, so we, we tend to look at God as we, we bring God in to become involved in our work. Yeah. yeah God, I'm going to start this project and I want to pray and ask you to bless it. Uh, that's kind of like Moses praying in the wilderness. God, uh, would you bless my uh, sheep herding uh, business here and help my flock to multiply and keep my flock safe? Well, you can do that. But what God's really interested in is not coming, being brought into your world, but bringing you into his, hmm. bringing you into his activity. And, uh, and so Moses, of course, faces this crisis. Uh, he uh, has herded sheep for the last 40 years, and now he's being asked to obey God and walk away from a safe business. Nobody wants to kill him for herding sheep in the backside of the desert. Yeah. But Pharaoh may very well want to kill him for trying to take away all of his uh, slave labor that has built up his kingdom. And so, you know, it's one thing for Moses to believe that God is all-powerful while he's safely herding sheep in a in a wilderness somewhere where he hardly ever sees another person. It's another thing to believe God's all powerful when you face the most powerful uh, human leader on the planet and tell him news that's going to make him really upset. Uh, And so God says, uh, leave this safe, comfortable place and go and do something that will seem impossible to you. And now Moses may have always believed that God was all powerful, but he's never actually, that we know of, witnessed a miracle at that point. And that's because he's never needed a miracle. Yeah, He doesn't need a miracle to herd sheep. He doesn't need the power of God to keep a little flock together. Uh, he, but when he, if he goes to Pharaoh and says, release the, the slave labor that has made your kingdom the most powerful one on earth, uh, that, that's, then he's going to maybe need God to intervene. Yeah. And, you know, if he had played it safe and just said, God, no, I just want you to bless me and what I'm doing, he would have spent his whole life and probably never seen the power of God in his life. But uh, he goes to Egypt and all of a sudden he's seeing water being turned into blood. He's uh, watching a death angel passing through the entire land, killing the firstborn. Uh, he's watching the Red Sea parting right before his very eyes. He's watching manna coming down every day from heaven and feeding an entire nation. He's watching uh, a, a fire by night leading the Israelites forward in the night and a, and, uh, a cloud by day. Uh, he's watching them get uh, a divine uh, victory over enemies when they fight against them. Moses uh, all of a sudden begins to experience all kinds of things about God that he never would have experienced had he just stayed where he was. And so, you know, you can believe in the power of God, but you're not going to experience the power of God until you actually are obeying him and going where he would have you to go. I remember when we, uh, when my dad was called uh, to pastor in Canada, uh, we had another, actually our worship pastor from our our church in California came with us and uh, he was a nice person, had a nice family, but it was hard. The first year was very hard. The winter was long. Uh, just a small group of people, a lot of sacrifice. And uh, after a year, uh, that worship pastor just felt that he had enough. And he took a job back in California and, and left. And, uh, you know, did a lot to help in the year that he was there. But uh, it was hard. And, and it, it, you had to rely upon God and God's provision. And, uh, and uh, that was, he, he just, that had been enough for him. So he went home. Well, interestingly, years later, 
from all that God did, all the miracles God did while we stayed there, my dad writes experiencing God. And a lot of people look at my dad and they would say, well, why is it that you saw God do so much in your life and your ministry? And there was so much power there and other people don't see that. And my dad could say, well, other people could have, other people could experience God that way, but people chose not to. Even people that were working with my dad at times would have enough and go home. And so they missed out on experiencing God that way. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying they didn't ever experience God, but they missed out on some of the incredible things my, my parents did because they didn't stay with the obedience. They didn't stay with the assignment. Hmm. And so you think of, uh, of Gideon, you know, it's interesting when the angel comes to Gideon in Judges chapter six, one of the first things Gideon says is, well, where's all the miracles we've heard about? Where we, we, we've heard these stories about God doing miracles with our ancestors, but how come I've never seen any? And if the angel had been a little more smart alecky, like I am, <laughs> the angel would have said, well, Gideon, what do you need a miracle for? You're, hi- you're hiding from your enemies. You don't need a miracle to hide from the Midianites. You're, you're, you're hiding in a hole in the ground. You don't need the power of God to hide in a hole in the ground. You can do that in your own strength. Hmm. What requires a miracle is taking on 100 plus thousand enemy soldiers with only 300 of your own. Now you're going to need the power of God. You're not doing anything that requires a miracle. So that's why you haven't seen any. And sometimes when it comes to experiencing God, we're just not doing anything that requires us to experience God. We're, we don't experience his power because we don't need it for what we're doing. Yeah. We don't need his protection because we don't do anything that requires God's protection. Uh, we never, we don't need his provision because we've got everything covered. We're not attempting anything that is beyond what we can afford to do ourselves. So yeah. we don't experience his, uh, his provision. And so I, so if you, if you kind of looked at your life and said, well, I know about God, I've heard about his power, about his provision, about his protection, but I've never experienced any of that in my life. I would say, well, have you obeyed everything that God has asked you to do? Maybe you've been playing it safe with your life and you've, you've, but you've not obeyed when God asked you to make some adjustments and God asked you to walk away from doing those things that you're really good at. And he asked you to do something that scares you to death, but you declined. You just said, no, I don't do those kind of things. I, uh, I'm not, I've never been good at that. I don't like doing that. But, uh, when you can say, uh, well, I feel like God's asked me to do this. I'm going to trust him for it. Uh, then that's when you experience God making a practical difference in your life. I had a interesting experience with my son, Mike, uh, not long ago. Um, he has gone off to plant a church and Mike has grown up hearing all these great stories about his grandfather, Henry, and how God worked in his life. He's heard me tell stories of God working in my life, my ministry, but now he's planning a church, uh, and he has very few people to help him and few resources. And, uh, so he and I were speaking together at, uh, an event in Hilton Head, South Carolina. And, uh, Mike was telling me about the needs he had. And Mike's never been the guy in charge before. He's, uh, he was a single adult minister at a big church in Georgia and he had to direct his own programming, but he always had the backing of the whole church. Yeah. Uh, he always had enough budget uh, money that he didn't have to raise the money. The church just said, here's the money you have to work with. But all of a sudden he's the, the senior pastor, the only staff person 
uh, any money that comes in is going to be because he's raised it. And all of a sudden there's not a senior pastor that looks over him and gives him what he needs. Uh, it's up to, between him and God now what he has to work with. And so I remember the first night just talking with Mike and I said, Mike, what is it you need? He said, well, I really feel that uh, God has led me to someone that could be a great uh, worship pastor uh, for us. I, I really feel like God wants me to at least have another team member. So I'm not just doing this all alone. Uh, but he said, I need at least $20,000. Uh, to even get him moved over to the field and have some, even to pay him part-time for this first year, uh, even to get started with that, I need at least 20000 And he said, I've got another huge need that requires $5,000. I've got another need that requires 1000 And he said, um, but Dad, I've never raised that kind of money before. I've, I've, I've never, I've seen that, I've heard about it, yeah. but God's never done that in my life before. So I remember saying to him, well, Mike, um, as you're speaking tonight, uh, you know, don't plug it. Don't like put people, don't try to, you know, get after people like you're trying to sell them a timeshare. But, <laughs> but as you're sharing your journey of faith, let them know that th- this is your crisis of belief right now. This is what you're having to trust God for. In your whole life, you've never had to raise that kind of money before. Uh, and just ask people to pray for you and, and, uh, and watch and see, you can't just live on your parents' faith, your grandparents' faith. Uh, I want you to come to experience God yourself uh, and to see how powerful and, and awesome he is. Well, Mike did a great job that night speaking. He shared some of those specific needs he had. And then at the end of the evening, we're driving home or driving to our hotel. And uh, Mike's in the back seat. I'm with uh, our associate, Rick Fisher, in the front seat. And uh, all of a sudden, Mike is just about hyperventilating. And I said, Mike, what, what's going on? Are you okay? And uh, he can hardly speak. Uh, and finally, when he gathers his composure, he says, Dad, I, uh, after I spoke, all these people were coming up and talking to me, and they were hugging me, and they were putting stuff in my pockets and putting stuff in my Bible. And he said, I, I, did, I was talking the whole time. I didn't have a chance even to see what they were handing me. But on the way home, I, I, I remember it. I've been digging out of my pockets. And he said, uh, I pulled out one envelope and it's from a woman and uh, there's a check for $20,000. Hmm. And wow. uh, there's another check for 5000 and there's a check for 1000 He said, every solitary need I mentioned tonight, I've got a check in my pocket that will meet that. And he said, Dad, all my life I've heard Grandpa Henry talk about God being a, a God who provides. I've heard you talk about it and tell stories about it. Yeah. But he said, until tonight, I'd never experienced it at this level of this magnitude. And he said, it's, it's true, dad. It's, it's, it's real. God, he's, he's not, it's just not a doctrine of God's provision, but I've just experienced God as a provider. And, uh, of course you can imagine as a father, how thrilled I was. It's one thing to tell your, your son, uh, God, you can trust God. He's a God who provides. It's another thing to watch him actually experiencing that. But, uh, but again, if my son had just played it safe, he could have just stayed at his, at the mega church and he never would have had to raise money. He would have always had a budget that was handed to him and he could just figure out how to spend the money that was given to him that year. Uh, and he might've believed in his heart and mind that God was a provider. But when he obeyed God and went out as a church planter where he didn't know where his paychecks were going to come from, and now he had to actually trust God and, yeah. and, and leave the backside of the desert, leave the, 
herding of sheep and suddenly be trusting God in Egypt where things often seem kind of hostile and there's not a lot of people who believe the way you do and you can feel all alone and sometimes it's as if all you have is God uh, and yet then that's when you really begin to experience God. Mm -hmm. And so uh, as we would wrap up this uh, study, I would just say some of you, I think there's, my dad would say there is in the DNA of every Christian uh, a a hunger, a desire to experience God. When when we read stories in the Bible of Moses and David and Paul and others, uh, there ought to be something in your heart saying, that's great that they experience God. That's great that they experience the power of God. But I want that. I want to experience that myself. I don't want to just read other people's stories of them experiencing the power of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God. I want to experience that. And uh, the Spirit of God, I think, will awaken that within us to say, well, that's the heart of God for you too. I w- God wants you not just to believe things about him. He wants you to experience those things. And so every time you're reading in the Bible and you see a truth in the Bible or promise in the Bible, stop and don't just say, yeah, I believe that. Ask yourself, but have I experienced that? Hmm. Have I actually experienced that in my life? Can I, can I point to a story in my life where I actually experienced this doctrine, this truth about God in a personal, practical, real way in my life? And don't be satisfied until you can. It's, it's, you can. You can list a whole page of doctrines you believe about God. But when it really gets awesome is when you start experiencing those same doctrines, those same truths. And, and for every doctrine of God, uh, whether it's his power, whether it's his love, his forgiveness, his uh, protection, his provision, hopefully you've got a story to tell about every one of those where if someone, if you're in a Bible study and they talk about, yeah, God's a provider. It says right here in this verse that he provides. That's true. But hopefully you can say, yeah, let me tell you a story of where I actually experienced God's provision, as it says in that verse. And if you can't do that yet, maybe it's not time yet. Maybe God's uh, timings, it's coming. But but ask God and say, God, I want to experience your power in my life. Uh, uh, So God, uh, I, I know that it says you guide people, that you give people wisdom. Well, I want to experience that. And so find those things that you've not yet experienced and say, God, what would it take? What adjustment might I need to make so that I actually experience this in my life? And uh, I'll tell you what, it's an awesome thing to live a life where every day you experience God. Well, and we will leave it there. And uh, we hope this has been a, a challenging and encouraging uh, miniseries for all of our listeners. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.